often when there's a movie that that's great and you find out that American filmmaker is going to remake it, you get nervous. Yeah. I don't know if we have had a crowd love a movie as much as yeah. the people who had not seen it yeah. coming out of that theater. They freaking love it. The visuals are amazing. It's very, very funny. The performances are great, but it, that's the heart movie is this relationship between the father and daughter. Whoop, check the calendar. No, it is not June. It is not Father's Day, but we don't care about all that. <laughs> we got our own Fright Club calendar, and we're going to dig into it. Welcome. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. And welcome to the Fright Club podcast, where we're going to talk about fathers and daughters. This should be fun. Just giving an eyeball to the list here. There's some good stuff. But uh, first off, we want to say thanks to everybody that came out last time. We had a blast at Gateway Film Center because we showed a hoot of a movie, Bubba Hotep. And we talked about uh, aging frightfully and had a lot of fun. It was fun. And it is a great movie. And it's funny how many people hadn't seen it. I don't think there was a soul who didn't enjoy it. But there are a lot of people who, like myself, think that that is Don Coscarelli's best movie. You know, he also did Phantasm, a great yeah. movie. Yeah. But And there, there were a couple people who also thought it was Bruce Campbell's best movie. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of love. That's Yeah, that's a hot take. That's a hot that's take. That's a really, really warm take because not only do you have, of course, the uh, Evil Dead fans, but, I mean, Phantasm is an iconic movie. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so that's that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. I, I like to go out on that uh, that limb, and I can understand it because it's very, very enjoyable. I'd... Phantasm, wow. I'd have yeah. to think about oh, that. Oh, I definitely like it better than Phantasm. Yeah. I do, because I just think it's so clever. I think that it mines material that you just don't get, which yeah. is always a big plus for me if you see a horror film and it's really talking about something uncommon. And also, mm-hmm. I don't think you can possibly go wrong with Bruce Campbell as Elvis. Oh, and don't forget, uh, Ozzy Davis. Oh, my God, as JFK. He's fantastic. He's so good. And to see the two of them together, because I love Bruce Campbell. I don't know that you always get to see the chops, the acting chops, but mm-hmm. you can't, you know, in a one-on-one with Ossie Davis. I mean, yeah. they were glorious. They really were. It, it was a blast, and I'm glad we got to show that back at it uh, at Gateway Film Center. And we've got a lot of fun coming up there, uh, and some of it involves the film project that we talked about yep. last time. We got to show, we got to unveil the big news. We've been teasing the big announcement. We gave it last time, and uh, we played the trailer. We played the the Indiegogo crowdfunding that we're doing. Yep, we that, played the video for that yeah, one. Yeah, and we're uh, hoping to get, you know, everybody can donate, and we understand that, but if you could at least share and get the word out, that is a huge help as well. It is a huge help, and actually, you know, it's not completely off topic for us to talk about this today because it has to do with the films that we're going to talk about uh, because in our film, Obstacle Corpse, Sunny is a young woman who makes some bad decisions inspired really by her father. She's trying to kind of win over her father's love and and convince him that she's, you know, worthwhile and that she can take care of herself. And so that got us to thinking about, and the more we looked into it, there are some fascinating father-daughter relationships in horror. Oh, you you bet they are. And before we go too much farther, I do want to say the reaction that we've gotten since we, we broke the news has been phenomenal. Uh, not only the crowd there at Gateway really had a lot of fun with it, but since then, since we put everything online and, and started uh, interacting with everybody, there's been a great amount of love for, for the project, uh, for you doing the project as writer. For your title. And, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> there's been some nice love for the title, yes, and I'm proud of it, but let's let's be honest. I mean, you wrote it. 
and you're going to direct it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to uh, supply the title. This seems to be going over well. Mm -hmm. And we've got some great graphic design. Uh, oh, we, yeah. We've got some, some fantastic help already from our team. And it's it's going really well, and we're moving ahead. So please, if you haven't checked out the the Indiegogo, please do that. Yeah, look up Obstacle Corps. Uh, there will also be a link to it in the blog that mm -hmm. this podcast sits in. And we wanted to just say we announced today that our DP is going to be Brooklyn Ewing, yeah. who is a great uh, filmmaker in her own right. She she's made two features. She was so pretty, which was a, a festival darling. She was so pretty to both massive award winners. And she's done some shorts. She's got her third feature in pre-production. I mean, she's and she's also a really well-regarded and fantastically talented photographer, fashion photographer. Oh, yeah. Such an amazing style and eye there. Yeah, it's it's great that they've been able, her and Jerry and their little dog, Miss Dolly Pancakes, they, <laughs> they've got a great uh, setup just traveling around and doing these shoots yep. and doing these movies. And he's in a band. And so, yeah, yeah, they, yeah have truck this, stop. they have a fantastic whirlwind existence. Yeah. That's, and it's the great. dog, my God, I love that dog. Yeah, and so we were really, I mean, not surprised, but, but very glad to have her on as DP because she's, of course, directed her own features. And right. we thought, well... You want to come on, just just work with us. And, yeah, she's very excited about it. So there, there's there's so much love going on here. We're so excited, and we've got still some plenty of time left in the uh, Indiegogo, and we'd love to have you on board and join the team. And I, we do mean team because there's plenty of fun perks yeah. that you can choose from, yep. race-themed and the like, and just a bunch of other stuff, too. So check out all those perks and everything. Any way you want to get involved, we would love to have you. It's all uh, on the Indiegogo for Obstacle Corps, and you can find it all over our socials. But, yep. yeah, we're going to put it on, on the, uh, the link in the link inside this podcast and when we post that and everything. So come on board. Love to have you on the team. So that's Obstacle Corps as we look ahead. Because you're right, it does tie in to the subject because we wanted to do that as we look ahead to and the next thing we've got coming up at Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio is showing the short mm -hmm. that got this ball rolling yep. when we get to do a Fright Club live in the front of the crowd, in front of the great crowd, at Nightmares Film Festival, which is October 21st through the 24th. And we now have our slot. We we're, do. We're going to be live at 3 p.m. on Saturday the 23rd in front of that great crowd. We're going to record a podcast, and we're going to show the shorts. So I hope you can make it. It's such a fantastic uh, film festival, such a fantastic horror community, even without us. Oh, it but, is. And, but, and, you know, we've gotten the chance to see some of the films that uh, we'll be finding out soon yeah. are going to play in the festival. I mean, the you know, the quality of the films that they program in this festival from the very first year has been just stunning. Yeah. Um, and, and it just gets better every year. I'm so excited about just the ones I know about that yeah, we're going to be too. showing. And the other thing that I can, I'm always so eager to see the shorts. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any place on earth that, that, that puts together better blocks of short films or celebrate short filmmakers right. the way the way this one does. But the features are also also yeah. awesome. And it's not just the movies. It's, it's a community. It really is. There's yeah, a reason it it's, it's been called the con of horror, and it lives up to that. So uh, please, if you can make it, we would love to see you and love to have you in the crowd for our Fright Club Live recording. Uh, that's coming up again on the 23rd, 3 p.m. But just, man, come out and see as many films as you can. You won't regret it. Okay, so we look ahead. So we've got, uh, we look ahead to that. But uh, we've got today the Fathers and Daughters Top. It is a top five, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. A, just a, a nice round number of <laughs> five. But any to talk about uh, bubbling under that didn't make it before we jump in. You know, I thought about doing it that way. And what I did instead was to kind of 
kind of uh, separate those out because there are millions of them. But there are certain ones that I thought fell into a theme together, kind of reminded me of each other. Mm-hmm. So sometimes as we talk about the, the main movie, the number five, number four, then we'll jump into some of the others. All right, let's start with, uh, boy, one of our favorites. We've talked about this and the original that it came from. But we're going to look at the American version from 2013, a movie about the Parkers, a reclusive family who follow ancient customs finding their secret existence threatened as a torrential downpour moves into their area, forcing daughters Iris and Rose to assume responsibilities beyond those of a typical family. From 2013, this is the American version of We Are What We Are. Amen. We will carry on. We have kept our tradition in its purity. We do it the way that we have always done it. Iris is the eldest. It's her responsibility now. You ready for that? That's the way it works. What if we refused to do it? It would make us wouldn't hate. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. Blessed are the lamb, for they are his offering. I wasn't eager to see when it first came out, to be completely honest with you, even though I'm a big fan of Jim Mickle's Stakeland, the, the film that he made before this uh, with his writing partner, uh, Nick DiMici. We yeah. love uh, Jorge Michael Grau's uh, Mexican original, We Are What We Are. It's, love it so it's much. such a masterpiece of a film. And often when there's a movie that that's great and you find out that American filmmakers are going to remake it, you get nervous. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, it doesn't. We can't say it betters the original by any means, but boy, it's it's solid on its own on its own merits. Uh, it does a really good job, and certainly not one that lets us down. Like, oh man, why'd you even do it? Right, because I think one of the things that Mikkel does really well is to entrench the story in American culture. You know, swaps out a lot of the mythology of this not very specifically articulated sort of customs and religion and and turns it into something very Southern Gothic. And I think he pulls that off really, really well. Yeah, and that was a major point uh, of differentiation between the two that had to be done. Because as you've pointed out many times, one of the prevailing themes that is done so well in the first one is the metaphor of the disposable population of the setting of the first one, which you can't just pick up and sit down in America no. without some nuance. Exactly. No, it, it wouldn't work at all. And, and that's really, he really abandons that theme. But he doesn't, it doesn't become a weakness because he, what he explores is rights and religion and a sort of identity as the American cultural sort of rural Appalachian Mm -hmm. culture. And I think sometimes, especially in horror, when that area of the world is discovered, it's not done nearly as respectfully as it is in this movie. I think that's one of the things that impressed me the most is that we're not asked to fear or to find sort of repulsive or to find like, you know, really backward the Parker family. You know, they just have this belief system and they're 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 going to stick with it. You know what I mean? They're not sort of backwoods hill jacks that you think are idiots. They're very smart. They're very savvy and they've chosen this life. And there are a lot of complications and a lot of sacrifices that come with this life that they have. Yeah, and you've got a great cast. You've got Michael Parks, 
We love in anything. So great. And also from Stakeland, um, Kelly McGillis yes. uh, shows up. And Larry Fessenden, horror fans are going to recognize him as well. So it's a very solid cast, just as the original had a very solid cast. Yeah, and the, the younger sister here is played by Julia Garner, who is in Ozark. She, I mean, she's she's done a lot, a lot of stuff since this film. Yeah, she had a small part in Martha Marcy May Marlene, which is so great. But she was the lead and so great in The Assistant oh, a riveting. couple of years ago that got a lot of attention with for very good reason. Yeah, and also Wyatt Russell, who since right. yeah, who since then has become his his um, star has risen a little bit. But of course, he's the son of um, Kurt Russell and uh, and Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. so uh, he's he's become a little bit bigger now. But he's in this as well. So yeah, you're gonna notice a lot of recognizable faces and a great cast. But the main characters, honestly, Bill Sage is the father. Amber Childers is the oldest sister, Iris Parker, and the mother is uh, is no longer with them. There's a ritual coming up, and dad is explaining to the daughters, particularly the elder daughter, that, like it or not, she has to be the one to put meat on the table mm-hmm. for this ritual. And it's <laughs> it's handled so well. It's scary, it's creepy, but you empathize with every single character. And for me, that makes horror films so much more resonant when you give a shit what is going to happen to the bad guys and the good guys. Yeah, and just like in the original, they really... Do a great job of the 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 struggle for who who becomes alpha. Yeah, there's powerful women. Yeah, in both of these films mm-hmm. for sure. So uh, that, you know, definitely recommend checking them both out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but this one is one we're uh, focusing on the American version from 2013. We are what we are. All right, let's go back many years for number four, a classic from 1936, when Countess Maria Zaleska appears in London. Mysterious events occur, leading Dr. Van Helsing to believe the Countess must be a vampire, Dracula's daughter. The castle! Dracula! He's come back! Sandra, look at me. What do you see in my eyes? Yes. All your skill can't help her now. She's under a spell that can be broken only by me. Or death. I am Dracula's daughter. So truth be told, originally in this spot on the list was Eyes Without a Face. That was going to be our classic. A classic, It yeah. is a classic, but we talk about it so often. Yeah. Like, so, so, so often. And for good reason. It's a brilliant movie. And it's got a strong father-daughter thread, absolutely, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. We've, yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about this before, We haven't. Have we? We've come close. It's come close to making several of the, of the podcast lists. And what I like about it, for this particular list... It is the sense of of sort of the haunting of your of your parents, you know, that even though her father is actually not in this movie, he hangs over it. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, the sins of the father. And her, she just she is haunted and, and aches, you know, with this sort of shameful existence that she inherited from her father. And she's so desperate now that he's dead to realize that she still carries it with her. And I think that, that that's, for me, that's the reason that this one, this one got the nod, because I think it does that really, really beautifully. What's interesting, a couple of things. Number one, this is a sequel to Dracula. It picks up immediately after the events of Dracula mm-hmm. from 1931. Don't really explain. There's no real reference to how Dracula got a daughter. Right. But okay. <laughs> and uh, this was originally supposed to be a project, uh, the ne- another project for director James Whale, but apparently the script that he submitted was so, quote, 
outrageous, quote unquote, <laughs> that he was just dismissed from the project and they employed a sizable list of writers uh, submitting treatments and scripts. James Whale, that would have been interesting. Uh, you know, right now, have, hearing you say that, I can't tell you how much I want to read that script. <laughs> I can't tell you. Because, you know, the, the film has a very... Dracula, a lot of Dracula films have a very homoerotic oh, yeah. notion to them. And that, you know, sort of that in, in a lot of ways is sort of the the shameful lure. You know right. what I mean? It, that's the, the, the tone that a lot of these films have. This one... Definitely, definitely lesbian um, yeah. undertones in this movie, and you feel like that's what he left her with, right? Is this racking shame over who she is? I think that there's something, and and part of it, part of it is Gloria Holden's performance. And a, I just need to say. I don't think she ever blinks. Like, it gets uncomfortable <laughs> watching her. She doesn't ever <laughs> blink. But she's so sort of earnest. I mean, you really sort of, you your feelings are hurt for her, especially in the scene where she just succumbs to her wishes with Lily, this um, this model, a, a painter's model. And, and they're both so good in that scene. Yeah, it was very, especially for the times, uh, eyebrow-raising, especially the scene where uh, the homeless young lady is invited back to the rooms there of the undead countess. That was, like you mentioned, a hint, a hint yeah. of lesbianism, especially for the times. The ribaldry, yeah. the ribaldry. But you're right, there's so much, that is a, a, a so much of a theme in all, almost all the Dracula movies, the vampire movies. And it only makes sense for it to be in this one as well. Right, and I think, you know, in the, in the Dracula films, when it's, when it's her dad, he's, it seems as if he's wielding some sort of a power... And in, in her shoes, in the case of this film, it's as if she's wrestling with a shame, you know, and, and that's what makes it so sad. You just think to yourself, how sad that, you know what I mean? She's ashamed of who she is. Of course, in her case, she's less a lesbian than a, a murderer. But <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's one of the reasons that makes the, the sort of the tone of the film melancholy. Mm -hmm. It was uh, at the time, it was one of Universal's most expensive productions, $278,000. In 1936, yeah, a lot of money, and the Dracula corpse was a waxwork uh, in the likeness of Bella Lugosi. Mm. They doled out a lot of money for this one, and it, it is so funny when you call it Dracula's daughter for obvious reasons, marketing reasons. But yeah, the character is not in it, but yet is, like right. you said, hangs over mm -hmm. the entire thing. Mm -hmm. So even though he's not in it, it still very much uh, qualifies as a father-daughter story. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just like if you're going to do Mothers and Sons, you're going to do Psycho, but she's not right. in it. Spoiler, sorry, but the movie is 60 years old. So. And also, this marks a, a screen credit for Hedda Hopper. I know! I Crazy. thought that was so funny! Isn't that funny? Because she thought of this legendary you know, gossip columnist, mm -hmm. but no, put her in the movie. Hedda Hopper makes an appearance in Dracula's Daughter, a classic here from 1936 at number four, in Fathers and Daughters on the Fright Club podcast. So let's move it up. To a lot more recent, this is, uh, boy, this is another one of our favorites, talking about movies we've talked about a lot, but that's okay. It's a great one. When a zombie virus breaks out in South Korea, passengers struggle to survive on the train from Seoul to Busan. Train to Busan. I mentioned this to you when we just sort of first were generating the short list for this. There would be no, I would have no trouble at all doing an entire podcast on just Asian father-daughter horror. Mm -hmm. It's incredible to me 
what a common theme this is in Asian horror movies. And I don't know why exactly, but it, it definitely is. Uh, and the, this one is just beautiful. It's just a beautiful example. You know, a father who works too hard, isn't paying enough attention to his daughter, recognizes through, well, the end of the world <laughs> that he should be, that he really loves her, that she really loves him. It's so moving, it this is. movie. I mean, the thing it is, really it's is. a thrill ride. It is a thrill a minute vehicular horror film. It's such a great visceral zombie movie. It has mm-hmm. funny, it has gory, it has excitement, and it will just break your heart, this little girl and her dad. I, I think I think it walks right up to the line of manipulation, really, and, and, and sappy. I think it ro- walks right up to that line and comes back. It does not go over it, but boy, it does. It just rings you it out. It does. I remember when we, when we played it uh, at Fright Club Live and the people that had not seen it, well, even the people that, that had they knew what was coming but i don't know if we have had a crowd love a movie as much as yeah. the people who had not seen it yeah coming out of that theater they freaking loved it now how could you not how could you not it gives it, you everything it does it delivers on on all uh, on all fronts and uh uh Ho yeon who directed it he also directed prior to that the animated soul station right. which if you haven't seen you really Check need to out. yeah god that was a great movie peninsula less good i didn't yeah. like it nearly as well i didn't either it was it was much more dare i say cookie cutter yeah. it it wasn't unique in in hardly any of the ways that this movie was and then just maybe it's because this one is so great you you had such high hopes yeah. and they just weren't realized so no. that one that one was a disappointment but soul station yeah very much worth checking out yeah and i think uh, a lot of the a lot of that goes to uh Sue Ann kim who's the little girl who plays uh. Sue Ann. God, she uh, was just so wonderful. She's so wonderful. She's so wonderful. They're, they're just so I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> there are so many moments, just moments in this movie that just leave you going, oh, for one reason yeah. or another. Either either you're furious at that one guy. Yes. Or you're, yeah, your heart is just ripped out at this father-daughter relationship. Yeah. There's so many of those. Yeah. Or just being scared, yeah. being on the edge of your seat. It's, it's so good. And, of course, it's been incredibly popular all over the world. It became the highest grossing Korean film in Malaysia, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Uh, the ninth most successful Korean movie in history. Um, just go on and on and on. It's a huge one all over the world. But, lest you think, I had not heard of this one, it is not the first Zombies on a Train film. Mm-hmm. Go back to 1972 for Horror Express. Yeah, T- okay. that as well. I've not seen that. Have you? Yes. Of course you have. Well, we did a we did a podcast on vehicular horror, so I may not have seen it prior to that, but I definitely watched it. To... That wasn't on the list, though. No, it wasn't. No, but no. I'll have to check. It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it might, maybe it did it first, but not as well. Let's put it that way. There are a couple of other movies. This is one where, where it's sort of a, you know, a, um, a damaged relationship between a father and a daughter and, and how that gets patched up during the course of the film that I wanted to mention, Cargo is a great one. Uh, that's it's a it's a very unique and interesting movie. It's another one that'll break your heart. I like that one for just a couple of years old. Cargo is mm-hmm. a quiet place. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, and a, and quiet, a quiet place, place too. too. Even more so. Yeah, you and talk again, about, you talk about the bond between father and daughter. I, I I think even more so because of the the prologue, just cements it in Quiet Place too. And but again, like just like Dracula's daughter, he hangs over the he whole does. movie. He really does. He does. Um, yeah. He's such a presence. One cut of the dead. That is another oh, yeah. incredibly enjoyable. And it's funny. I mean, it's it's only a horror movie to a certain degree. It's about zombies and things. But it's just, it's so much fun. If you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, you really shouldn't. Of course, Firestarter. Drew. Drew. That's uh, some that qualify under that sort of, same sort of umbrella. Well, let's move up to number two. But we'll take a pause 
and say this is a spoiler alert as we get into this movie, because if you make the connection between talking about this movie and what the theme is today, you're going to get a big spoiler if you haven't seen it. So go get a drink or something. We'll wait. (laughs) And we're back. All right, number two. (laughs) This is from 2003. After being kidnapped and imprisoned for 15 years, Odesu is released only to find that he must find his captor in five days. The classic old boy. I don't think we talk enough about Park Chan-wook, which is funny because... Privately, we talk about him quite a bit. Yeah. Just such a phenomenal, epic filmmaker in every conceivable way. And, of course, this is part of his Vengeance trilogy. Yeah. Um, and I love all three, but to me, Old Boy is is just the high watermark for him. It is. It's 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 hard to beat. Yeah, the other two in the trilogy um, of Revenge trilogy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance in 2002, and then Lady Vengeance, the third one, in 2005. But, yeah, this, this one is so great. And, of course, you got that big twist at the end. And it's a... If you come into it totally blind, it's a fantastic setup, yeah. too, because who did this, and yeah. why would they do this? Right. Uh, and so it's a mystery, and of course it's a great action film. Oh my God, it's such a great action film. And, and they, be, uh, as always, Choi Min-sik just gets beat up. That's <laughs> what he does, what the man does. <laughs> he can take a beating. He can take God, a he's beating. he's so great. I mean, in every he movie, so he's great. so great, but oh, he's just an icon in this movie. Yeah, and he plays, uh, actually, the name... Desuo, which is read in Korean as Odesu, is derived, originated from who else? Oedipus, of course, the tragic uh, <laughs> hero in Greek mythology. This one is put together so well. Um, not only the direction, but the the editing, especially in <gasps> oh yeah, you know that scene, the famous one take corridor scene. But if you notice it, and this the quieter scenes in the movie have longer shots. Yeah. 10, 15, 20 seconds. Then when they fire it up, you, you get cuts in two, five, six, seven, eight seconds. Yeah. And the the uh, the difference is just striking. And that that cor- that's a corridor scene, amazing. It is. It's just an amazing piece of construction of editing, of direction. It's incredible. Oh, it is. But, I mean, there are so many. It's also a really disturbing film in, a, in, <laughs> yeah. in so many ways, not even just the relationship that, that we're dancing around. <laughs> Uh, in so many ways. If you've got issues with teeth, this isn't a good one oh, for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just so many. But it's also... Or eating live animals. Right. But Or if you have a... There are other oral problems that you... <laughs> you just issues that you might have. But there, there is also an often really gorgeous... Right, the, oh, yeah. the shot from above of the yeah. of the trunk in the green grass, gorgeous. So many things about this movie. Just it's just a stunning feat of direction. And plus, since it is part of a trilogy uh, of revenge, yeah. all about revenge. Yeah. Boy, talk about plotting out. Yes, and taking your time. Oh, my. to get your revenge. Holy moly! Yeah, but uh, there are a couple of others that are worth a mention along the same lines here, because of course this is a particularly horrific concept about father-daughter relationships. Angel Heart. Oh, yeah. The loved ones. <laughs> I gotta get your loved one. I gotta Actually, get my loved ones you know, I'll give you credit. It's been quite a while since we've mentioned the loved ones, so it was probably due. Yes. But that's, yeah, quite a quite a father-daughter relationship there. Yeah, and then It, the original It. Actually, probably bo- it, it ended yeah, Chapter 2. Yeah, 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 I think so. Disturbing, disturbing relationships. Yeah, those qualify, but uh, Old Boy, uh, from 2003, the original, because as brilliant as a filmmaker as Spike Lee is, that... Um, that remake is not worth checking out. But as 
you you can get you got the gist when it came out that he even knows that because he just kept repeating that what was Hollywood is a hell of a business something like that. What was his quote? I do forget what it was, but uh, you you get the sense that he was just yeah. sort of yeah. hamstrung yeah. by the studio or by producers, exactly. and uh, you can see that. I mean, there are certain films that maybe Americans shouldn't remake if they're because this is a this movie goes places. Yeah, it does, and uh, they they make a they make a change to the end. I think that is oh, just. Yeah. Just really, really wrong-headed. But uh, let's not worry about that. We're worried about the good one. That's right. Uh, Number two on Fathers and Daughters, the original Old Boy from 2003. Moving it up to number one. One of our favorite filmmakers who has become much celebrated with good, good reason in the last few years. This is writer-director Bong Joon-ho from 2006. A monster emerges from Seoul's Han River and begins attacking people. One victim's loving family does what it can to rescue her from its clutches, the host. This is another one that we showed years ago at Fright Club Live. It went over big. Fun. This is the most fun movie to see on a big screen. The 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 action sequences here, the the way that uh, that Bong Joon Ho brings that creature to life, stunning, just remarkable. It has a personality of its own. Yeah. This squid monster. Oh my god, it's so great. It's they, so great that they nicknamed Steve Buscemi That's right. on the set because <laughs> he, uh, he has said that he based the screen persona here of the monster on the way that Steve Buscemi acted in Fargo. So uh, <laughs> put that on his resume. Yeah, take it. Uh, yeah, this is this is an incredibly crowd-pleasing movie. It's the high as of I think as of a few years ago, it was maybe still be the highest-grossing film to date in South Korea. In, incredibly popular, uh, p- perhaps only uh, overtaken by Parasite. Yeah, you know? I could see. That. I don't know for sure, but it could be another one of his own films. And Kang Ho Song, who of course is is the patriarch in Parasite. Mm, yeah, he's also the father here. Very different yeah. role, but he's such a lovable dunderhead. He's so it's such an amazing performance. He has a like a food stand, and his whole family kind of hangs around, and and they bicker a great deal. In a lot of ways, it's it's quite funny. There are a lot of comedic yeah. moments oh, in yeah. this. But again, it's his it's his relationship with his daughter, who's played by Ko A Song. That's really what I think fuels the, again, it's another film where one of the reasons it's so effective is this sort of heartbreaking relationship between father and daughter. Oh, yeah. That that he is trying so hard to sort of fix, to like he realizes the weaknesses and now it's if he can only get there in time, he can make up for it. And, And I think that that's what makes the movie so good. Like it makes it such a quality film. The action is amazing. The visuals are amazing. It's very, very funny. The performances are great. But it, that's the heart movie is this relationship between the father and daughter. Yeah, and if that relationship didn't mean anything to you, then the movie wouldn't be half half as good. You have to care. And another interesting part of this, since it is a creature feature, is that Bong Joon-ho totally went against the grain of not showing the creature that much or or early. Now, I think we've seen more movies go against that more recently, but at the time, that was just breaking Breaking the unwritten the Jaws rules. Jaws rule. Yeah, it was so effective in Jaws. It was. But, but he has said uh, that he hated that. He didn't. He he didn't like that uh, that approach at all, and wanted to show the creature uh, early and often, and jumped at the chance to do that. And it works. It does. You know, one of the reasons that I think, my guess, that filmmakers do that so often, it's a device that that sort of generates dread, right? But also, depending on practical puppetry, mm-hmm. visual effects, uh, you know, a suit. 
it it's hard to get a good looking monster. And so the less you show them, the easier it is right. to, you know, that's one of the things that, that has sunk I don't know how many werewolf movies. Yeah, I mean they had such a, a legendarily hard time with the mechanical shark in Jaws right. that it served their purposes it as well. It did. But it turned out to really to, to benefit that film. But you make a good point. Now he's got a real creature to work with. It looks so amazing. Yeah. It looks incredible. We've we've mentioned the same thing in movies as recent as Kong Skull Island. Yeah. They come right at it. Boom. Yeah, they do. And those creatures in that movie look fantastic. Yeah, they do. So let's get at it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, much like any other rule, if you break it and you do it right, it's okay. Absolutely. And they do it right here. And also, the one rule that they do stick to is a good rule. They include the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> it's about uh, 13 minutes in, in the beast's first appearance, when its tail slaps a guy into the river. So it's a Wilhelm Perfect. scream. I think we're overdue for just a Wilhelm scream podcast, really. We've mentioned it, I don't know how many times. Okay, well, I know we have a long list of topics waiting, but let's <laughs> let's pencil that in, because that could be fun. But, uh, yeah, this is a, uh, much like Train to Busan, it's just such a crowd pleaser. It I is. can't imagine somebody coming out of this for all the reasons that we talked about, for the emotional reasons mm-hmm. of the family, and just for the sheer fun of this creature feature, I can't imagine somebody not liking it. Oh, I'm, I, I 100% agree. I mean, it's a funny thing for me to have found any movie that I'm going to place higher than Old Boy. Yeah. Or, you know what, the fact that Train to Busan is number three. This is These are some quality films. And you know what is also very interesting, too, about, about this, that one of the things that uh, Bong Joon-ho has, has commented about is that the rise of the mobile phone in society changed their script writing. In the, in the last few years, I remember in some of the movies that we've reviewed, not necessarily horror movies, we've mentioned how the only reason the film seems to have for being set in the year that it's set was to get around having to work in the mobile phones. Yeah, yeah. And, and this one took on it and said, well, we have to deal with this now. And it made them come at it from a creative standpoint. And, uh, and I love that, that they just came at it and yeah. said, no, we're going to deal with it. Uh, because obviously you have to movies now. You have to things that you wouldn't have to worry about in the past because of the rise of phones and social media and computers. You've got a whole different hoops to jump through to make it work. Yeah, logically. So bravo for that and for many other reasons. The host is number one on our list of fathers and daughters. But uh, what we miss, what we get wrong, let us know. Uh, you can always find us and keep the conversation going. Fright Club Pod is the Twitter account. Please check it out. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website, where you can find all of our written reviews of all the new movies that come out and our other weekly podcast called The Screening Room. That's all at madwolf.com. So, so much going on. We certainly hope you can make it to Nightmares Film Festival coming up October 21st through the 24th at Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio. And we very much hope you can check out our Indiegogo for our film, our feature film that we're going to have in production soon called Obstacle Corps. Have a look. Uh, you're going to find the link to it in the blog that accompanies this podcast, but it's also a, a pinned tweet on Twitter. It's a pinned blog on Facebook, so it's hard to miss. Yeah. Yeah, well, as we tape this, uh, just in the last couple of hours, as we tape this, we just found out that uh, Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, came out, uh, which is bravo yes! uh, for her personal story. Had, had you know, She's been uh, apparently with uh, her partner for during her 20 years yeah. and had to keep it a secret. So, uh, uh, bravo, you've probably found, found that by now on social media. And also, as we tape this today, it's my birthday, so we have to get out of here and go uh, do some celebrating. Yes, we do. Some fright- Happy birthday, love. Thank you. Some frightful celebrating. So, again, uh, keep in touch if you can. Stay well. We'll talk soon and hope to see you soon as well. You can find out all the places that we're going to be and what's going on on any of our socials. So until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Speaking of Elvira, take it away.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And stay frightful, my friends.